he is a he's not a MacGuffin, but he's a MacGuffin directioner. He is a guidebook. He's a Sherpa to the MacGuffin. Yes. Sure. I accept that. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So when I first watched uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, I think I was shown this, like at least a part of this film in uh, sixth grade in like a science class or something. I I think uh, it was explained to me that this was like an adaptation to like an 80s show, which was an adaptation to the radio play, which was an adaptation to the book, all written by the same guy. And then I just remember, the only thing I remember from back then is my science teacher being like, yeah, 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 the movie is fine, but it like doesn't compare to the show. But honestly, I'm not watching like a Doctor Who-esque BBC show from like that long ago. I don't have the patience for that. So I watched this like hour 45 movie and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny. I really like it. I think like the comedy is kind of... Uh, witty and and on par with like our sense of humor did you like it i did i uh, i thought it was very funny i i was kind of playing coy with you before we started because you asked me and i was like oh, I'll, I'll let you know i'll tell you know talk about it on the podcast and um i told my wife earlier that i was like this movie hasn't aged very well just uh the way it looks and she was like well that's you know those are that's science fiction movies and that, and that makes sense too, right? Um, but I think, so the jokes work for me. I think the acting's fine. I think Martin Freeman's playing like a very similar character to what he plays a lot. But like the the movie isn't very visually appealing to me just because like the the aliens that are like all the, just all are in like these block ships. It's all very drab and like, it, I don't know. It just didn't look that good to me. But that, I mean, it's 17 years old. But but overall, I like, you know, I said it was, it was very funny. I love Stephen Fry as the narrator. Like, if I had written down everything he said, like, all of it was hilarious. And all of it was like, but, you know, it would have just taken me forever. And, like, we would have to go over every line. But that that part was was really good. Um, you, uh, just, yeah. you didn't think the Vogons were attractive? I don't want to fuck the Vogons, no. No, that was not. The... Um... You know, I think because this this uh, this movie based on the book and the book was so big, right? The book was like super popular and um, like so many things came out of the book. This actually apparently is adapted to the book, like as, as far as like the rules of the world go, but has nothing to do this, with the story in the book. But the author of the book did help write the screenplay and like make this movie narratively cohesive. So it, it, you know, we still have that authenticity without it actually being like anything from the book. Right. And that's what I was curious. Uh, I asked Ashley and she said, I was like, you know, is this written kind of like a guidebook in the, in the same way, like if you've ever read World War Z, the movie, there isn't a movie in that book. So the fact that they're able to make one, it kind of had to be made up after the fact. And this, I was like, is this similar? And she's like, well, there is 
sort of a narrative story, but it's just, you know, told in, in the way of a, of a guidebook. Um, I don't know that I'll read it, but maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, the movie's entertaining enough. And, and because I think the popularity of this movie is, or at least with the book, is so big. Unfortunately, the author passed away, I think, in 2001. And, and this movie came out in 2005. But this movie was like in production hell forever um, for various. Oh, you know what? One of the reasons is I found pretty cool is that this movie was going to get made by the same producers as Ghostbusters. And then Dan Aykroyd was like, I have this screenplay and it was Ghostbusters. And they're like, yeah, let's make that instead. <laughs> That's funny. Do you know the three other movies that this director Garth Jennings has directed in his life besides Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No, what? So he does a lot of music videos. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was his first movie. He then did Son of Rambo (laughs) and then Sing and Sing 2. Oh my God. Wow. are the four movies that he's directed. What is the Son of Rambo about? It's in the title. No, but I mean, it's about a little kid who thinks he's Rambo. I don't know. I'm not going to go read it to you. It's not good. Okay. It's not, it's not like a, like the son of Sylvester Stallone's Rambo. It's just like a fucking fictitious thing. Not saying Rambo is real, but you know, I guess there's not a question. Are you asking me a question? I, I, I was, I was, but never mind. It's, it's, it's not important. Um, so, we start out, right? We start out with Martin Freeman uh, waking up and his house is going to be bulldozed, which is, you think that's a metaphor for what happened to Earth? I think it's a funny, like, turn of events. I don't know if it's a metaphor. Is it a simile? It's a... Uh, is that yeah. onomatopoeia? No, it's definitely I, um, that. I, I like the turn of it, though. I mean, you skipped over the singing dolphins in the beginning that fly off the planet. But... Oh, shit. Yes, yes. Um, which is a very funny song that describing that humans are the third funniest people behind dolphins. And we don't really, we never get told who's number one, but I guess we assume at the end it's the mice. Right. Um, that's all good. But yeah, the, the being demolished for the bypass. And then at the time, his name was, you know, he went by most deaf, but now Yasin Bey being in this, I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, Cause I think this is around the time that he was doing quite a bit of acting, like in some bigger movies. Is there a reason he changed his name or is it just a branding thing? Yasin Bey is his real name, I believe. And then Mostef was his rap name. And then he just decided to stop going by his rap name. But what's funny is he did not funny, but interesting and proving my point is he did the Italian job in 2003. Uh, he did the woodsman in 2004, but you know, he did Hitchhiker's Guide in 2005 and then 16 Blocks in 2006. So, like, he went on this little run of doing a ton of, like, the, all those are pretty good, too. So, um, I remember seeing nice. 16 Blocks and he, uh, to me, he's always one of those actors that's, like, he's so good in his role or whatever he's playing. And and I'm kind of refer- referring, uh, referencing 16 Blocks particularly. He seemed like a guy who just stumbled upon set and they're like, oh, wow, he's kind of, you know, weird or whatever. He's like, just we're just going to we're just going to um, we're going to play him and he's just going to he's just going to go. 
And then it's like, I don't know. He's something about him. He's just he's like a guy who just stumbles on set and then is just extraordinarily good at acting. And I guess that's just saying uh, he's just comes off very natural in whatever he plays. Yeah, you're complimenting him in a very weird way, but I get it. He, um, I'm surprised I haven't seen him in anything. I'm looking at his thing. I like the, I guess the last thing I saw that he was in was Begin Again, and then he hasn't really done anything since then. So it's kind of interesting because he is so good. Like in this, he's so good, right? He's playing like a weird. I I love when they go to the bar and he's like, "Yeah, I'm an alien." Wasn't it pretty obvious when I tried to shake the hand of that car? And they just show him like waving at a car that's about to kill him. Uh, fun fact is that that car is a Ford Prefect, which is his Earth name. Yeah, that's funny. I like the uh, he shows up and gives them beer, and he's like, uh, he's like, "Well, come to the bar with me." And Martin Freeman's like, well, how do you know they're not going to show my house? He's like, oh, they promised they would wait. Um, you know, uh, I trust the, you know, I, what does he say? He's like, I trust them to the end of the world. And he's like, which is only 12 minutes away. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he gets to the bar. And um, I, I like where he, I, I guess the the salt from the peanuts and the carbs from the beer helps with like the the teleportation um with the hitchhikers or whatever but he uh he buys everyone in the bar around right a and 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 then that's when the bartender actually started believing him that he's like oh it's the end of the world he's like should we lay down and put paper bags over our head he's like sure he's like is it gonna help nope and then there's a flashback later on as the world's ending and you see them doing it yeah i um I, one thing about this movie is there's a lot of stuff in it that is unexplained and almost would have to be something that was probably in the book. Like uh, like what? Like the salt and the beer. It's not really explained. Why is he carrying a towel around the whole time? Because we never see it used. Because like the Vogons very... are, are terrified of towels. Yeah, I guess. But it's just like you would think it'd be, I think it's something that would probably be more explained in the book than, than it is here. A lot of the things seem like just kind of added because they are part of the book, right? Like the movie's made a little bit for people who have read the book. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, and next we, we get the flashback where we meet Zoe Deschanel. Yes. Who I forgot was in this movie who also plays a character. That's a lot like all the other characters she plays kind of this like doe-eyed love interest of the unassuming guy um who ditches them at a party sam rockwell is the one she ditches him for and he plays a different character in almost everything he does sam rockwell is great do you know how many people were vying for that part and the only reason that he got that part um, well, I mean, Garth Jennings really liked him in the audition, right? Okay. Um, but the uh, the people who were going for that part were, were Bill Murray, Robert Downey Jr., Will Ferrell, and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp would have been good, although less funny. Like, Sam Rockwell just has this kind of crazy energy that, I don't think a lot of other people have, honestly. Like, it's a very specific thing. 
Yeah. Uh, Bill Murray's Bill Murray's a, maybe a little too old, and then he also just doesn't have that. I don't know. I don't. Once you see Sam Rockwell in a character, it's hard to see someone else do it. Like it, it's just gonna be different if someone he, else handles it. I mean, it's definitely a different kind of role, especially with like the two personalities, and we don't really see much of the second personality, but it, that kind of like switch. Um, he says he uses a mixture of like Bill Clinton and Vince Vaughn to impersonate that character. Um, a lot of people were commenting back in 2005 that they that character reminded them of like George W. Bush, which is funny because he then eventually does play George W. Bush in Vice. I, I kind of wondered how they did that. Really, it almost seemed like he moved his head back, and there was a. At first, it looked like it was like a green screen. Like I couldn't tell like how they made it happen. It looked really weird. It. Well, it's back to what you were saying about how the, maybe the movie hasn't aged greatly in, in the look of, of it, right? Because he moves his head back to like an alarming uh, angle. And then it, his other face looks like warped in. I don't know. I, and is it maybe? I don't know. I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Um so then he gets his house torn down. I, my favorite part of the house getting torn down is the fact that the highway is nowhere near his house. And so there's no reason that this had to be done today. There's not a highway in any direction that you can visibly see. And they're like, but we have to tear down your house today. Uh, well, bypasses have to be made, David. Yeah, and then the uh, obviously the parallel to when the aliens come and they're like, "Oh, we're d- doing a uh, intergalactic freeway right through here." But but one thing about this movie is the entire Earth gets destroyed with it's like six to seven million people, and like the most angry anybody gets is like, "Oh, how could you do that? You didn't even read the form you signed when you agreed to have this blown up." It's like totally so off. But which is explained by the end of the movie when like a magic thing happens and everyone's back. Is everyone back? Because it really feels like they started over. Like the earth is back and it's in the same place as it was, but it just feels like they kind of Adam and Eve did all over again. Well, no, they they just show a quick bit of like everyone in the bar like reappearing. Oh, that's right. So, that's right. So that's your way of knowing like all the humans are back too. So it's like, and they're all back in their same position. So it's like literally nothing happened, right? Like this big. Yeah. But then again, like Martin Freeman's character, Arthur, he grew, right? That that was his character arc when he was like, to Zoe De Chanel, he was like, I'm feeling kind of peckish. Let's go to the restaurant at the end of the universe, right? That was his like, he wouldn't go to Madagascar. He was kind of a recluse in the beginning. And now he's like, Let's fucking go on an adventure, right? I don't I don't think because you meet a woman one night who wants to go to Madagascar and you're unwilling to quit your job that makes you a recluse. <laughs> okay, fine. That's also different. I don't have a problem with I don't have I don't have a I don't mind the ending. I'm just saying it explains why the tone of like why everyone's not really, really sad. Well, you say that, but Zoe Deschanel seems really fucking like traumatized by it. 
she got over it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, with the, I okay. The only thing I kind of don't like about the movie is that we don't have enough scenes with Sam Rockwell and John Malkovich. Elton John. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I I'd like to see more John Malkovich and Sam Rockwell together in this movie as the characters they was, play. Maybe two days for John Malkovich on this movie. If that okay, you have to admit the robot arm like body thing that was pretty cool. It looked like a mini version of Wild Wild West. <laughs> Which came first? I'm pretty sure Wild this... Wild West. Oh okay. Okay. Wild Wild West I think is in the 90s. I was watching that when oh. I was a, a wee lad. Yeah, I remember liking it and then I grew a brain. So in 1999, I didn't argue oh, wow. about the value of the movie. I just said it became it came first. I I know you're not arguing about the value of the movie. I just want to make it clear to our audience that we both think that movie is trash. I mean, Will Smith could have been in the Matrix, but instead he made Wild Wild West. He did that for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Next, we're on a Vogon ship. Yeah, and, and here's, I think, where you would say, like, the ugly part of it. It's not just because the Vogons, but the whole design of the ship. And, and I mean, maybe that's on purpose because of who the Vogons are with their lack of ideas and imagination. But everything is just so bleh in, like, the Vogon world, you know? Yeah, and uh, this reminded me a lot of uh, Futurama, which obviously Futurama probably took some from this, but just the idea of bureaucracy and like how funny it can be. You know, a lot of movies have done this, even like Zootopia with the DMV and how slow it is. But uh, there's like a lot of good jokes about like, did they did they file their fleeing form? (laughs) Like as someone's like escaping from them and like, oh, man, it's like, oh, you know, now I'm going to chase after them. And then a bell goes off. He's like, well. Hour for lunch. I'm gonna get soup. And then the like the councilwoman or whoever is like the right hand woman for the president of the galaxy is like not like in par with this. So she's always like that that's that's like our audience reaction, right? It's like she's appalled by them doing these bureaucratic things. My favorite joke of this is uh um when they are in the long line to release Zoe Zachanel. And uh, Martin Freeman is like, don't worry, I'm British. I know how to cue. Well, yeah, but then the, the joke of like, oh, I filled out the form. Oh, you know, she can't be pardoned. He's like, well, the president here is here. She's like, well, this isn't a presidential pardon. That's a blue form. He has to go like fill it out again. And like I, the nick of time before she dies, yeah. I like... Uh... I like the use of the narration too in the in the Vogon ship part explaining all that. Like I think it's really well done. It also just feels like it came straight from the book, right? Like you can you can almost like mentally imagine the way the book looked. Uh anything with the put like these graphics on the screen. Anything with the cartoons is I think pretty much the book. Right. Um and also the the babblefish, is this where the like the idea of a babblefish came was from this book and this movie. 
No, I don't think so. I think, um, well, obviously, obviously the Tower of Babel, right? Was yeah, yeah. the Bible. There were no, there were no fish involved in that. But, you know, because the, the idea of having like a, a device called a Babel fish now where it can like, you know, change, you can understand different languages. I was just wondering if that, like, if this is where the idea of like the Babel fish came from, it's not really important. I, my favorite part of this is when after they read them the poetry and Martin Freeman says it's really good. He's like, throw them off the ship. There's this point where they're in this little cargo hold that's about to drop them out into space. And, uh, and Martin Freeman's like, we're going to die. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Yassine Bey is like, yeah, wait, wait, hold on. What's this? Ah, no. Yeah, we're going to die. <laughs> So uh, I just looked it up, and um, this actually did inspire the Babelfish uh, webpage that you were talking about. There you go. There, there you go. You go. Um, and then the whole the narration picks up again with like the probability, and it's the same. The probability is like two to the same power as the phone number of the place where he totally blew it with Trisha. Right. Right. Every time that they like warped to a different place in space and they were like a different thing like they were like the yarn people and the flowers and whatever it always reminded me of like those episodes of community where like one episode they're just puppets or something like that the yarn one specifically and then he throws up the yarn absolutely yeah like maybe community stole a little bit from this um so then you find out that Ford and Rockwell are cousins. I can't say Rockwell's like real name because it's just like, what is it? Zap Zafrod. Yeah. So Sam Rockwell and and uh, Ford are cousins. And then Trillion's on the ship. Um, I did not expect to see Zoe Deschanel again in this movie. I thought it was just going to be like. She was a one-off? Part. Yeah, that little part. And it was going to. Um, although I guess when I saw Rockwell in the beginning, I did know that he was an alien in that flashback, but yeah, that was surprising to me that she was there. I think in an, in an original script, they wanted to make her part alien. So it would feel more natural for her to be there, but then they nixed it because they were like, why does this have to start making sense now? You know, <laughs> that's a great point. I also thought in this moment, the way he talked, uh, the way Martin Freeman talked to her was like kind of pathetic. Like he was getting mad at her, a woman he met once for like ditching him for some other guy that has a spaceship and king of the universe. Or president. Um, Yeah, which which the, the them explaining the whole election of that is very confusing. Uh, I don't know. I don't quite know how. I know they explain it, but I still don't even quite know how that happened. Yeah, I'm not. I think all we need to know is that he won, and then he immediately kidnaps himself, which really throws all the Vogons off, obviously, and then steals this powerful ship. And he and he won the election against uh, Huvana, whatever John Malkovich's character. Yeah, Hummus. Hummus? Hummakabula. There it is. Um, what did you think of the Deep Thought Planet? I like how Deep Thought is a Mac. 
Is, is it? Yeah, you didn't see the Mac, the like the Apple symbol behind it on, on its back? No, no, I didn't. I must have missed that. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I don't know. I mean, like what I thought about the planet or what I thought about deep thought, like the computer. Just the idea of it, that part of the movie. I think that's like the whole meme, right? I mean, I don't even know if it's a meme, but like that's the whole like what everyone remembers the movie is the answer to the life, the universe and everything is 42. I really expected that to be super late in the movie. We were going to get that. You know when it was? It was exactly at the 42 minute mark. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You like that, don't you? So instead of making a cohesive story, they're just going to put a bunch of stuff in there. Welcome to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll say she's like, in seven and a half million years, I'll tell you the answer. And then all these people show up cheering. She's like, 42. Uh, my Yeah, but my favorite part of that is, uh, is when they're showing... Um, uh okay who is it sam rockwell is showing them uh ford and arthur and and trillian the video right and our 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 arthur says something like oh we're coming back in uh uh, they want them to come back in seven and a half million years and then sam rockwell turns and he's like oh they did (laughs) right yeah no he's good yeah, I mean, I, so apparently the 42 thing, uh, this was very famous in the book. This was in the book, by the way. This was in the radio play. This is like the big thing that everyone takes from this this uh, series is that life, the answer to the life of the universe and everything is 42. Apparently it's because something happened on October 10th, 2010. Not because of the book was written, but something did happen on that date. It's so stupid. The binary code for... 42 is 101010. So some newspaper made a huge thing about it on October 10th, 2010. Um, why it was 42 originally, I don't I don't know. I so besides 42, the other like thing that I knew about this movie, and I didn't know it came from this movie, but the line of like in the beginning, the universe was created and everyone uh, unanimously unanimously decided this was a bad move. <laughs> Uh huh. Um, I've seen like several times, and there's a really great, like, great line in this. Um, and then like it's basically from this point, it's like a uh, just kind of like a tr- they're traveling, trying to find the one planet to you know to get the the question to the answer, right? So they, they you know they stop at John Malkovich's planet, and he's like, "Oh, I need a gun, so get this gun," which. That character is totally only in this so that they look for the gun and grab it because they need it later, right? Like, he's unimportant otherwise. Of course, yeah. He is a... He's not a MacGuffin, but he's a MacGuffin directioner. He is a guidebook. He's a Sherpa to the MacGuffin. Yes. Sure. I accept that. Like it. Um, I I love too. Like after they leave John Malkovich, <laughs> they're trying to get out of there. The Vogons are there, and she, uh, what's her name? Uh, Trisha like takes the president Sam Rockwell and like has an aerosol can next to him, and they're like, 
could that kill him? <laughs> the woman's like, I don't think so. It's just an aerosol can. And they like immediately take her. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of just funny shit in this movie. Like you, you were saying, it doesn't cohesively make sense, but it's just like enough to be funny. It, it's almost like a sci-fi Monty Python in a way. It, it had a lot of feel to me of um, Spaceballs. Yeah, but at least there's more cohesive. I've never seen Spaceballs, but I'm guessing there's more cohesive story in Spaceballs than this. It's it's Star Wars. So <laughs> there you go. Rockwell wants to still go to what? Margrathia? Margrathia? I don't know how to say it. Margrathia. Margrathia. Nah, that seems wrong. Um, but instead, uh, your boy. Martha Arthur. Freeman takes over and is like, "Now nah, we're going, we're going after my girl, Zoe Deschanel, yeah. Trisha, Trillion, McMillian." I can keep yeah. going. So they, um, they get there, and uh, the slappy things. I it took me a second. I, I mean, I've seen this movie, but it took me a second to kind of be like, "Oh, why are they slapping him?" It's like, "Oh, every time he has an idea," and I kind of love that because the the Bogons are void of original ideas. Um, and uh, so th- those slappy things would never hurt a Vogon, but then anything else on the planet, boom, right? Yeah. That my also, and this is like obviously a staple of comedy, but uh, Zoe Chanel, who in their right mind gives an order to destroy a planet and just cuts the Sam Rockwell? Which is like not something we as the audience knew. That's them telling us. So in the joke, they're telling us that this idiot did this. Yeah. And then when you see the auto, the the signature is an autograph. And then she's like, you, you know, fucking idiot. You thought someone was giving you an, like, <laughs> you thought you were giving an autograph and you were signing orders, you know? Right. I also like in the, the narration comes up like as she's about to die, but obviously she doesn't. We talked about that. But uh, the narration's like, you know, if if you die, then you should just spend the time considering how good your life was, and you know, and that'll make you happy. But if you didn't have a good life, then well, hey, at least it's coming to an end. Yeah, uh, man, so many good one-liners in this film. Um, speaking of which, we are introduced to to well, they saved Trisha, obviously, and we kind of talked about the the long line and everything like that. But then they finally made it to Magra 3, Magathea, Magra 3. Oh, fuck it, whatever. Um, and then they, they meet Bill Nye. But before you meet Bill Nye, I love the voicemail from the planet. And specifically the, we're sending two missiles at you and your death may be monitored for training purposes is so fucking good. <laughs> and then the ship is like, I think I'm going to take evasive action now. And it's like, oh, shit, I can't. All right, well, I got to put you guys in charge. Uh. I'm, I feel like I'm missing a plot point, right? Because they they go, they go to the John Malkovich planet, right? And then um, they get the like the MacGuffin um, of one, of getting the uh, the gun, right? Right. Sent on the quest to get the gun because if they get the gun, then they can get the coordinates to planet. Um, If they agree to get the gun, then he'll give them coordinates 
to get to the planet. But you're wondering why they went to the planet? Yeah. Because Magrathia is where he would then get to the portal that would take him to Deep Thought. And then he could ask Deep Thought, uh, you know, what's the oh, what's the no, question no, no. that the that's answer right. is 42 to? That's right. That's right. And uh, and that's where, because Martin right. Freeman was scared to go through the portal. That's when he meets Bill Nye. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, as the as he's like, Zoe Deschanel runs through and then the other two run through, I'm like, he's going to miss it. It's going to turn off. And of course it does, you know, because he takes like a second too long. And I love like, even knowing it's about to happen, the payoff is really funny as he just goes through and it's gone. I like how they're just like engine jets or whatever, but they look right. like, you know, um, turbines. Um, and then, yeah, Bill Bill Nye shows up. Uh, while, while he's with like Bill Nye, um, the three of them are in the planet 42 and she's like, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. She's watching like a cartoon, right? She's so fucking bored. Uh, you know, that's Helen Mirren, by the way. I did. Okay. Um, my favorite thing is she, it's revealed that she built a planet to sustain the knowledge, the technology to come up with the question. And it was Earth. And Sam Rockwell blew it up. But that was the thing he was looking for. So he ruined himself in his own stupidity. Right. Well, so, and while all that's happening, right, they, they that, you know, after Deep Thought tells them that, they, they go down and get the gun and they're like shooting it at each other so that they get the gun lets you you shoot it at someone and then they understand your point of view i love the joke too where sorry chanel is about to get shot with it she's like i'm a woman it won't change anything because like they understand other people's points of views but um so then they like disappeared down this cave right and i was like oh what happened to them and while all that's going around going on bill nye is basically explaining to arthur that like oh we shows it to him and then Going through the factory is is cool. Like that's visually that part is really like stunningly it's beautiful. Awesome. The factory and then Earth and going all around it as people are building it that is is great. And I also love too like uh, Bill Nye at one point says the best laid plans of mice and then uh, Arthur goes and men. He's like and Bill Nye's like no no <laughs> just the mice. That's um, when you find out that the yeah, mice is the most intelligent people. So then Bill Nye takes him to his house and it looks exactly the same. You know, there's people still working on it. And when he goes inside, I thought these were like fake Zoe Deschanel, Sam Rockwell, and and uh, Yassine Bey. I was like, what? what is this? This is like, why are they there? Because they were acting be. weird too. So I thought it was like a trick. It could be, right? In and like the expanding universe of Gar- of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, those are clones, and the real ones are still on the uh, Deep Thought planet, stuck for eternity. Oh, okay. Well, before you say, I just really wanted to say the only the only way you know for sure that that is them is because the the gun is there too. Well, yeah, but I didn't notice that. So, um, but I. 
I like the last scene, you know, with the with the mice and and then they're basically going to chop into Martin Freeman's head. And he just right. spouts off a bunch of he spouts off a bunch of things. And they're like, oh, that's a good question, because they want the question to, you know, the, the universal question that the answer to 42 is. Um, and then he keeps talking and he's like, but the only question in my head is like, is this woman perfect for me? Is this the one I'm meant to be with? And the answer is yes. And that the answer is not 42 to that question. They're like, oh, well, that's stupid. And they start to chop his head again. Right. Uh, and then they then he like breaks free and then smashes them. And then it's revealed that they're the children from the deep thought planet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which was odd. Uh, but I guess some some connective tissue to the movie. Um and yeah, and then it ends with uh, him just basically deciding like, oh, he now wants to travel. That's the arc of, you know, he's he doesn't need to just stay in his little hovel. Um, and, it, uh, you know, and we found out earlier that she's in love with him. And so, um, you know, that's kind of the 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 way it, it ends up. And there's a huge shootout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. The shootout. Yeah. And then. Alan Rickman gets shot in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, all that happened too. Forgot about that. The Vogons show up. We finally get to see the towels in use too. Yep, yeah. Well, you know, I feel like some parts of this movie that we do gloss over that are, I guess, in the spectrum of this universe important. Um, Everything in the end doesn't really matter, right? Everything gets restored. Everyone's fine. And then uh, they go to a restaurant at the end of the movie. So I like to Alan Rickman. No one listens to me, but that restaurant's on the opposite side of the universe. And the ship just stops and turns back around. I mean, look, I think there's some thought provoking stuff in here. I think it's mainly just kind of funny and silly. And like, I, I just took it as this really entertaining film. Um, I'm sure like the actual book and radio play or like better adaptations of, of the book are more thought provoking. But um, I feel like this is just a really fun movie. I mean, it, it entertained me. Oh, yeah, me as well. I, I thought it was very funny. Um, and like, I, I, at least now I know who's actually in this movie so I can converse about it <laughs> right? a little more. I thought I would learn more about 42. I did not. I don't think anyone did. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And I finally watched The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.